0: You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Got to lay a little bit of a foundation from this morning to get to where I'm going tonight. So Matthew 5 verse 13, in the message translation it says, Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Salt has a purpose, so you've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. So God tells us who we are, and He reveals to us our purpose of being here on earth, to be the salt and the light, to walk in the fullness of the blessing He has for us, to use our platforms to serve His purpose, which is souls. I touched on that this morning. So I'll say it again, we are in this world, not of this world. And we must never allow the noise and the narrative of this world to become louder than the voice of God in our lives. So you're not just saved to go to heaven, you're saved to overcome, you're saved to conquer, you're saved to occupy, you're saved to have dominion to rule and reign on this earth and to impact this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So tonight's message is built on that foundation and I've titled it Beware the Dark Evangelist. Beware the dark evangelist. There is a challenge that we all face. And I want to say tonight, if you're visiting for the first time, you should be shocked when you walk into church. You should have a culture shock when you walk into church. Because we live in the world. We're not of this world. But we live in the world. And this world has a culture We are in the kingdom of God. We are in God's world. And so when you come from the world into His world, there should be a culture shock. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to church for the first time after I got saved, and I was sitting right in the back over there like some of you sit, the back rows, which are those that want to fall pregnant, the front rows are those that want to have a baby soon. There's a lady sitting here, and she's about to have a baby. So nobody say be loosed in Jesus' name because we're going to have a problem. But I sat right at the back, and I watched everybody, the praise and worship, and they started clapping, and I thought, yeah, okay, it's a bit rough, but I did one or two claps. Then they started worshiping, and I, I watched them lift up their hands, and I thought, it's a bit crazy, who's looking at me? And I, I, I literally had to put my hand in my pocket because I wanted to lift my hand up, but I wasn't comfortable. Things were different to what I had experienced. It wasn't a problem when I was unsaved to lift my hands up and move around in a in a, in a in a in a in a in a pub or a club. But somehow I came to church and I was critical. I wasn't used to that environment of church. I was brought up in a very very uh, uh, conservative type of church where you had to cross your heart and. And, and not hope to die if you told the lie type of thing. And I was told you to bow and curtsy and do all these funny things. And I walked into a more free church where people were clapping and amen and all this. It was a culture shock. You see, the reality is we, 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 the kingdom of God is going to face opposition. It's facing opposition. Matthew eleven twelve says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We understand there's going to be opposition to the kingdom of God. We understand that it's a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. He warns us. He says, listen, to to succeed you must put on the armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Can we call that? Wiles of the devil, the dark evangelist. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of of, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's this battle going on between light and darkness, good and evil. And then Jesus says, listen, John 10 verse 10, the Passion Translation. A thief has only one thing in mind. The dark evangelist has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. The Zoe kind of life, the God kind of life. What I'm trying to get out tonight is that there is the preacher preaching the word of God. He is The evangelist of light, Jesus. And there is a world out there that is preaching darkness. He's the dark evangelist. And we find ourselves in this battle between good and evil, between light and darkness. And sometimes the dark evangelist is louder than the Christian. And the dark evangelist has got control of the airwaves. And the dark evangelist has got control of social media. And the dark evangelist, he's Bombarding us and bombarding our children all the time. And we find ourselves in a battle. We're brought up in certain traditions. We're brought up in certain cultures. And we'll serve God as long as it doesn't interfere with our culture. We'll serve God as long as it doesn't Challenge our tradition. We'll serve God. I mean, mean, who says it's normal to go to a nightclub and party and bounce your head against the wall and smoke something that gets you high and shoot something? that Who says it's normal? But it's accepted. It's an accepted norm. And I see it's getting more and more on television, especially around sport, to bet and gamble. And that's fine. But don't bring your tithe to the church. Because the dark evangelist is preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. And slowly and slowly becomes a norm to us. When that artist at the Grammy Awards stood up and sang that song Unholy. And he depicted those dancers in red as the devil. And did all sorts of weird and and, and, and I can't say wonderful things but weird things. People go how creative is it? Christians go, how creative is it? At the same Grammys were Christian artists who received an award. And I'm thinking to myself, how can you receive an award after somebody has depicted the devil and worship the devil? You should say thank you, but no thank you. God's given me the skill, this talent, this ability to glorify his name. And I'm not going to mingle light and darkness. I'm not going to allow my life to be tainted and, and and we are the parents setting an example for their kids. Because there's this dark evangelist. And the enemy's idea is he shocks you and he pushes the boundary a bit further. He shocks you and pushes a bit further. And he shocks you and pushes it, and then we think it's the norm. I mean, people are lost. People are confused. Young people today don't know who they are, don't know what they are, and we're labeling it this and we're labeling it that. And the moment you tell them the truth that you're made in God's image and God's likeness, that he made man and woman, and we made in an his, oh no, you can't say that, Pastor. Can't say that, Pastor. Now you're touching on things you're not allowed to talk about. I mean, you can identify whatever you want to identify as now. I identify myself as skinny. It's probably not a good thing to laugh. Uh Huh? The hotel I'm staying at, and I was tempted. Okay, I was. When I got back from church today, there was a parking spot, and it said, Women Only. I was tempted. I was tempted. The world's gone crazy. The world has gone crazy. And we need the Christian to be the salt and the light. We need the Christian to stand up for righteousness. We need the Christian to stand up for truth. We need people to walk in love and love those who are hurting. And love those who are confused. And love those, not condemn them. But somewhere along the line, we've got to stop this craziness. Because the voice of the dark evangelist is getting louder and louder. Watch this. Mark chapter 4 verse 1. Get through some scripture quickly. Mark 4 verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the sea. Talking of Jesus. And a great multitude was gathered to him. So that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jump a few verses down to verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now I want you to, 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 to just think for a second. What's important to remember about parables is they are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus wants us to understand something. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan, the dark evangelist, my term for him, comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and their cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the, one from, these are the ones from the Bay Christian Church, these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Now let's understand this. God is talking about, there's a sower, he's the sower. The seed is God's word. The ground is where the, the seed lands and represents the condition of our hearts. In verse 3 to 9, the sower sows seed. Onto four different types of ground. From verse 13 to 20 it explains to us the different grounds, the conditions of the hearts that receive the seed. Now your heart is important. That's why Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of your heart flow the issues of life. What, what becomes the treasure of your heart is what you look at and meditate upon and receive. Because eventually it becomes a truth to you. And then Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs 18, 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who speak it will eat its fruit. So what you eventually become your treasure is what you begin to speak, which becomes your life. So, so we get, people get confused all the time because they are bombarded with information that becomes a truth to them. And that truth becomes the treasure of their heart and now when you preach the word, it can be in conflict. Now you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. We've got to make a choice. What does God's word say? What do I feel? It doesn't matter what I feel. But what does God's word say? But how do I feel? It doesn't matter what you feel. You're either going to yield to the word of God, receive the word of God, and produce fruit from the word of God or you're going to live a life based on your feelings I mean haven't you woken up some mornings and you just feel it's a bad hair day for no reason at all you just wake up and you're feeling like I'm grumpy my wife always says to me yeah, it's easy for you because you're an optimist no I'm not she doesn't live in here she doesn't live in here it's easy for you you, you rise early no it's called discipline I choose every morning. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I choose to believe goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I I face battles like everybody else, but I make a choice. I make a choice to rejoice. (laughs) I make a choice to be thankful. I I face as many battles as you face. But I choose every day. Oh, so you think I'm an optimist. Yeah, well, then I'm an optimist. I'm going to choose to be an optimist. I'm going to make a choice to live in the blessing of God. I'm going to make a choice to be a person who witnesses. I'm going to make a choice to be the salt and the light. I'm going to make a choice to serve God. I'm going to make a cho- I'm making a choice every day. The Bible says, I place before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose. You choose so that your descendants might live. Because the choices I make impact my children and their children. So what you've got to see here, the problem is not in the seed. All the seed is good. The problem is in the ground, the condition of the heart. Isn't it amazing as a preacher, I've heard this many times, I preach a certain topic and people in your church all receive something differently. They hear something differently. I can use the principle of seed time and harvest. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. Some of you will think I preach some money. I didn't mention money. I said seed time and harvest. I'll give you an example. If you want to have friends, you have to be friendly. Seed. People walk into church, wow, this is the unfriendliest church I've ever been to. Did you see your face, Jack? Did you see how you responded to them when they said, give a high five? Did you see how you responded? You were unfriendly. They might try once with you. They might try twice with you. But the third time, my brother, it's you, not them. Seed. Seed. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. If you are lazy at work, you're not getting the promotion, Jack. It's got nothing to do with money, but someone walk out. I heard him. He just preached on money. No, you heard wrong because the condition of your heart is wrong. He talks about the wayside. He says the first seed fell on the wayside. The wayside was the narrow, hard footprints that ran beside and through the fields. It it speaks of a closed mind. My way is the highway. I don't care what you say. It's a hardened heart. They hear the gospel, which is good news, but refuse to embrace it because their hearts are hardened. Hardened. I have family like that. They can see I've changed. I'm the only one out of my siblings, and I'm not saying I'm better than them, but but I am. I hope they're not watching. I'm the only one saved, and I believe they'll get saved. Look at my sister saved. I'm the only one that's not divorced. And yet, in the natural, I should have been the one that's first divorced. Why? Because I received the word of God. Why? Because I made decisions when we should have had a divorce, I didn't decide not to get divorced. I made a decision to persevere through certain battles. I made a decision. I'm not judging anybody being divorced. Please don't miss. I'm talking about me. Everyone else has got different circumstances. But I chose to receive the word of God. Now, here's the funny part. They still reject the word of God in their lives because they, they watch me and they say, okay, his life is okay, but, but they still reject the word of God. They've got hardened hearts. They're not bad people. I love them to bits, but, but they refuse to receive the word of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who have been saved it is the power of God. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation condition for those who believe it. I believe it. When I faced cancer, I believed I was healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. I, I, I stood in the Word. I went from intellectual Christianity to really getting a revelation. And Proverbs 18, verse 9 says, Use every endeavor to heal yourself. Otherwise, you're equal to a brother who commits suicide. So if God's going to heal me one go, great. If God's going to use a doctor, great. If God's going to use medication, great. If God's going to use a diet and, and a gym, great. But I'm going to get healed. I received the word. It made no sense in the beginning, but I received the word. I remember having an argument with a doctor who diagnosed me with cancer. And I said, no, my brother, I haven't got cancer. By his stripes, I'm healed. And I made a decision that day. I'm not marrying cancer. So I never spoke about my cancer. I said, this cancer that is in my body, this cancer that's an alien, must go in Jesus' name. I received the word. You see, With the wayside, the closed mind, the word is sown, and the dark evangelist and his minions come immediately and snatch away the gospel seed. He works as a dark evangelist by distracting and diverting our minds, even as you sit in church. It's amazing the thoughts one can have while we're in church. Is it only me? This morning, I watched Joshua mesmerized, not by the presence of God, but his future wife was singing, and he was like, now, I don't know what he was thinking, but I just went over to him, I said, Josh, we're worshiping God here, and it was like tonight during the worship, he stood like, lift his hands up and wave it in front of my face, I'm worshiping, I'm okay. But it's amazing what thoughts we can have in church. And don't sit there all super religious now. I've been in church for the last 27 years. I've had some crazy thoughts too. You're hearing the word and the dark evangelist is whispering something else in your head. Is there an earlier flight? Because they're not listening to me tonight. Let's just get real here. we allow the Holy Ghost to soften our hearts. Yes, God can speak differently to each one of us through the Word, but we've got to get a soft heart. The seed was good, but the soil was bad. The second ground was the stony ground. And that represents the confused mind. Here the ground looks good to sow, but there is no depth of soil. And as soon as the sun beats down, the young tender plant withers, dies, and produces no fruit. God wants you blessed. Amen, 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 amen. And what's changed? Have you received the word? Have you really allowed the word to come into your heart and, and, and cement itself and take priority and become, become the treasure of your heart? Have you allowed it to transform you from inside out? Have you allowed God to use that word because the Bible says he sent his word and healed them of all their afflictions? It's not like he wants his word only to heal some people. They're the chosen ones. No, 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 no. We are the chosen ones. It it depends on the condition of your heart. And the second type of soil was, was the stony ground. They make an emotional response to the gospel. In other words, they receive it with gladness but then begin to have problems with simple matters like church culture, like our culture versus the Word of God. There's no such thing. Oopsie. Keep quiet. You're not in CRC Durban. You're at the Bay. Ancestral worship and Christianity intermingled. Huh? Huh? Mustn't I go there? I'm asking a question. Oh, we can talk about it in the Afrikaans culture. Don't talk about pastor Don't go down that line. I was christened as a baby, so was I, and it meant that much. It meant that much. It was done out of tradition, it comes out of Calvinism. Claim duop. There's nothing in the Bible about duop. Don't go there. That's our culture. says and Ons. okay, great, wonderful. You're a Christian, my brother, before you are in here. You're a Christian before you the bay. You're Christian before you are the the, the CRC. You're a Christian. Obey the word of God. He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Baptized means baptismo, which talks about taking like an Omar Rusk and you dunk it. You don't take a teaspoon and sprinkle it. (laughs) Must I scratch where it's itching? Because we don't want to offend our culture. My dad once asked me when I got saved, he said, are you telling me, and I won't use the words he used, that if I don't give my life to Jesus, I'm going to hell? Yes. But I'm praying for you, Dad, and I believe that you'll get saved before you die. I prayed for my mother, she got saved before she died. I had to make a decision. Am I going to bow to the family's culture? Am I going to bow to the family tradition? Am I going to bow to the family feeling? Or am I going to make a decision to tell the truth and trust God that the truth will set him free one day? My dad had, was in hospital for six months with, when he had COVID, had his leg amputated, had four major surgeries, heart stopped in one surgery, lung collapsed in the second surgery. And the first thing, because I was telling him, I said, Dad, if you die, where are you going? Promise me you'll do one thing. What's that? I said, if you feel like you're going, there's a light and there's a darkness. Choose light. Just cry out Jesus. He said, I can't be a hypocrite. I said, dad, just cry out Jesus, please. Do it just for me. Well, when he came out of the coma after 40 days (laughs) in ICU, his first words were to my sister, where's Glenn? And she said, he's coming to visit you tomorrow. He said, is he bringing Jesus with him? (laughs) So I know the seed is sown. I know he's wrestling here. And I believe before he goes, he'll give his life to Jesus. But what? I'm not going to bow to the culture. If they tell us we can't pray, are you going to stop praying? If they tell us we can't, uh, we can't witness about Christ and, and, and get people saved from whatever they believe in, are you going to compromise? Well, my brother, you know, I'm not. Because it's coming. I mean, Jesus is the way. He's not a way. He's the truth. He's not a truth. He is the life. The only true life we can find is in Jesus. Now, 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 are you going to get offended because you know somebody of a different religion? I had a guy from, a heck of a nice guy. He said, hell of a nice guy. But a heck of a nice guy that, hell of a nice guy. Heck, hell, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. Come to my church two Sundays ago. He works with somebody in my church. He's, he's, he's one of the top advocates in Durban, and he's Muslim. Well, I didn't know he was in the church, but I told him straight. Jesus is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. And there's no way to the Father except through him. And I happened to bump into him in town the following day, and we were having coffee, and he, he, he like politely made it out that, that, that all religions lead to the same God. and he promised to help us with a legal case, and I thought, do I hold on to the promise of the legal case, or do I just tell him the truth? I said, no, no, (laughs) all religions aren't the same. Not all roads lead to Rome. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Listen, we can't get to this place where we allow what's happening in the world to, to infuse us and stop us in doing what God's called us to do. They begin to have problems with simple matters like church attendance, prayer, the word, and they shy away from the radical claim of Christ found in, in Matthew 16:24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 1 John 3 verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So the seed was good, but the dark evangelist was preaching again. The third ground, the thorny ground. What does that speak of? The cluttered mind. Every time I think of that, I think of an incident with somebody very close to me. I mean, I've been married this year, December 27 years to the same lady. Okay. Okay. Okay, but listen, 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 don't tell I'm telling you the story. (laughs) My wife loses her keys regularly. She actually loses lots of things regularly. And sometimes I find her digging in her handbag that only her feet are sticking out looking for her keys. And she doesn't know where she's placed her keys, her lipstick, her powder, whatever ladies have in their handbag. And she's literally digging. But she's got an incredible way of believing what I did wrong 27 years ago. And the only reason some of you are laughing is because it's sort of truthful to you too. The cluttered mind. I didn't say ladies have got cluttered minds. (coughs) I'm talking about my wife. And, And the thorny ground is a cluttered mind. The soil looks good. But it's superficial. It starts out well, and they cut and clear the ground, but never uprooted the roots of bitterness, listen, unforgiveness, and pride. So just as the good seeds begin to grow, so did the leftover seeds of thorns and weeds. Again, the dark evangelist comes preaching lies, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things that choke the word. But then there's a good ground. Come on, say, My heart is good ground. My life is good ground. I receive the good word from God. And I'll produce good fruit in Jesus' name. It's good ground that produces 30, 60, 100 fold. I've got to finish off quickly, but I want to say this. We can't pursue Christ. And I really believe this is a thing of God. We can't pursue Christ, but at the same time live with bitterness. And live with unforgiveness towards other people. We want to move of God, but we're bitter. We want to move of God, but we're holding unforgiveness towards other people. I've recently been studying some revivals and I got across, got, went across the Jesus movement because there's a movie called The Jesus Revolution or The Jesus Movement Come Out or whatever. And it's really Greg Laurie, Pastor Greg Laurie's testimony of, of how he got saved uh, from being a hippie. And, uh, and it talks about a few different other people that were really instrumental in that move of God. And one of those guys is a guy by the name of Lonnie Frisbee. He's now dead. And uh, I listened and, and studied this. And one of the interesting things, God used him as a catalyst to bring this move of God to get hippies saved. Not the regular churchgoer. God moved radically through this man's life, Lonnie Frisbee. But if you go and study his life, you'll find out that he gave his life to Christ at the age of eight, and he was sexually molested by a babysitter, a male. And although God used him, there was a root of bitterness in his heart. And God used him supernaturally. He got married, and he was doing well, but his wife and him were struggling in their relationship because that root of bitterness began to grow. The unforgiveness began to grow. And they sent him to another city to try and restore. And what happened was, sadly, they got divorced. And he backslid and went back to that old hippie lifestyle. The good news is, two years before he died, a man of God came to him and and spoke to him. And he responded. He received the word. And he, he asked God for forgiveness. And he made right with people that he had bitterness towards and unforgiveness towards. And we now know that he's gloriously in heaven. And somebody made this statement. He was like a Samson. And I thought to myself, how much more bigger impact would he have had if he'd continued in the journey without having to go through that season? What is it that caused him to stumble? What is it that... Root of bitterness. Root of unforgiveness. Holding on. Listen to this quickly. I'm closing. Hebrews 12 verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. Should I stop there? Pursue peace with all people. And holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, this always speaks to me. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And if we want to see a move of God, we have to develop a hunger for God. We have to root out all bitterness and unforgiveness. And I'll I'll put it in brackets. I'm not saying it's always easy. But it's a decision we have to make. We have to repent of our sin. We have to prioritize God's presence. We have to stay grounded in His presence, in His purpose, in His word. We have to enjoy this life God has given to us. And we've got to recognize the dark evangelist. You know, you might be sitting here tonight and you're saying, listen, you don't understand. You don't know what happened to me. No, I don't. But I care about you. I care enough to say you let it go. Let it go. What the person did to you was wrong. Maybe what you did to yourself was wrong. But let it go. Forgive. Root out all bitterness. Root it out. Forgive that person. I don't care if it's an uncle, auntie, brother, father, sister, best friend, business associate. I don't know who it is, but let it go. Because if you don't let it go, those those, uh, weeds are going to grow, and they're going to mess up the seed that's been good good seed that's sown in your ground, and it's going to destroy your walk with God. I have to close, so I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you tonight to search your heart. You can close your eyes. I promise you we're not going to do anything funny. But you're here tonight. You're in one of the other campuses tonight. And I'm really believing that God's spirit is going to speak to you. The first great awakening in the U.S., 15% of the total population came to Christ. But guess what? people were serious about meeting with God. And while we are standing and closing our eyes, just pray a silent prayer. God, search my heart. And remove anything that is quenching the flow of your spirit. God, break through in my life with your spirit. God, break through our church with your spirit. And Lord, send revival to your church. And a mighty awakening to the lost. Manifest, Father, your presence so that millions can be brought to Christ. Revival in the church to cause an awakening in our cities. But, Father, search our hearts. And if we're standing in this place tonight or one of the other locations, and we realize that you're speaking about somebody that we've got bitterness or unforgiveness towards, we have to make right with you, Father. And we have to forgive them.